Chapter Nine of Little Meg's Children by Hesba Stretton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: Little Meg's Friends in Need. These were hard times for Little Meg. The weather was not severely cold yet, or the children would have been bitterly starved up in their cold attic, where Meg was obliged to be very careful of the coal. All her mother's clothes were in pledge now, as well as her own and Robin's, and it seemed as if it would soon come to pawning their poor bed and their scanty furniture. Yet Meg kept up a brave spirit, and, as often as the day was fine enough, took her children out into the streets, loitering about the cook-shops where the heat from the cellar kitchens lent a soothing warmth to their shivering bodies about the middle of december the first sharp frost set in and meg felt herself driven back from this last relief she had taken the children out as usual but she had no shoes to put on their feet and nothing but their thin old rags to clothe them with robin's feet were red and blue with cold like her own but meg could not see her own and did not feel the cold as much for them as for robin's his face had lost a little of its roundness and freshness and his black eyes some of their brightness since his birthday and poor meg's heart bled at the sight of him as he trudged along the icy pavement of the streets at her side there was one cook-shop from which warm air and pleasant odours came up through an iron grating and meg hurried on to it to feel its grateful warmth but the shutters of the shop were not taken down and the cellar window was unclosed little meg turned away sadly and bent her bare and aching feet homewards again hushing baby who wailed a pitiful low wail in her ears robin too dragged himself painfully along for he had struck his numb foot against a piece of iron and the wound was bleeding a little they had turned down a short street which they had often passed through before at the end of which was a small shop displaying in its windows a few loaves of bread and some bottles containing different kinds of sweetmeats such as they had indulged in sometimes in the palmy days when father was at home the door was divided in the middle and the lower half was closed while the upper stood open giving a full view of the shop within meg's old brown bonnet just rose above the top of the closed half and her wistful face turned for a moment towards the tempting sight of a whole shelf full of loaves but she was going on slowly when a kindly voice hailed her from the dark interior hello little woman it shouted i haven't set eyes on you this many a day how's robbie and baby they're here sir thank you answered meg in a more womanly way than ever for she felt very low to-day we're only doing middling thank you sir why father's ships come in said her good-natured friend from the docks coming forward and wiping his lips as if he had just finished a good meal what makes you be doing only middling father didn't come home in the ship replied meg her voice faltering a little come in and tell us all about it he said hello mrs blossom just step this way if you please there was a little kitchen at the back of the shop from which came a very savory smell of cooking as the door opened and a round fat rosy-cheeked woman of about fifty years of age looked out inquiringly she came a step or two nearer the door as meg's friend beckoned to her with a clasp-knife he held in his hand these little uns look cold and hungry don't they mrs blossom he said you smell something as smells uncommon good don't you he asked of little meg who had sniffed a little unconsciously yes please sir answered meg i've ate as much as ever i can eat for to-day said her friend so you give em the rest mrs blossom and i'll be off 
Only just tell me why father's not come home on his ship. He was took bad on the other side of the world, replied Meg, looking up cheerfully into his good-tempered face. And they was forced to leave him behind in a hospital. That's why. And what's mother doing? he asked. Mother's dead, she answered. Dead, echoed her friend. And who's taking care of you, young uns? There's nobody to take care of us but God, said Meg simply and softly. Well, I never, cried Mrs. Blossom, seizing the baby out of Meg's and clasping it in her own arms. I never heard of anything like that. Nor me, said the man, catching up Robin and bearing him off into the warm little kitchen where a saucepan of hot tripe was simmering on the hob, and a round table with two plates upon it was drawn up close to the fire. He put Robin down on Mrs. Blossom's seat and lifted Meg into a large armchair he had just quitted. I guess you could eat a morsel of tripe, he said, ladling it out in overflowing spoonfuls upon the plates. Mrs. Blossom, some potatoes, if you please, and some bread, and do you feed the baby whilst the little woman gets her dinner. Now, I'm off, Mrs. Blossom. You settle about him coming here again. He was off, as he said in an instant. Meg sat in her large armchair, grasping a big knife and fork in her small hands, but she could not swallow a morsel at first for watching Robin and the baby, who was sucking greedily spoonfuls of potatoes soaked in the gravy. Mrs. Blossom urged her to fall to, and she tried to obey, but her pale face quivered all over, and letting fall her knife and fork, she hid it in her trembling hands. "'If you please, ma'am, I'm only so glad,' said little Meg, as soon as she could command her voice. "'Robbie and Baby were so hungry, and I hadn't got anything to give em. "'I suppose you ain't hungry yourself, neither.' observed Mrs. Blossom, a tear rolling down a little channel between her round cheeks and her nose. "'Oh, but ain't I?' said Meg, recovering herself still more. "'I've had nothing since last night, and that was only a crust Kitty give me.' "'Well, dear, fall to and welcome,' answered Mrs. Blossom. "'And who's Kitty?' "'It's a grown-up person as lives in the back attic,' answered Meg, after eating her first mouthful. She helps me all she can. She's took all my things to the pawn shop for me, because she can get more money than me. She's as good as can be to us. Are all your things gone to pawn? inquired Mrs. Blossom. I've got baby's cloak and hood left, she replied mournfully. He wouldn't give more than a shilling for him, and I thought it wasn't worth while parting with him for that. I tried to keep Robbie's cap and pinafore, that were as good as new, but I were forced to let him go, and our shoes, ma'am, added Meg, taking Robin's bare and bleeding foot into her hand. See what poor Robbie's done to himself. Poor little dear, said Mrs. Blossom pityingly. I'll wash his poor little feet for him when he's finished his dinner. You get on with yours likewise, my love. Meg was silent for some minutes, busily feasting on hot tripe and basking in the agreeable warmth of the cosy room. It was a wonderfully bright little spot for that quarter of London, but the brightness was all inside. Outside, at about three feet from the window, rose a wall so high as to shut out every glimpse of the sky, but within everything was so clean and shining, even the quarried floor, that it was difficult to believe in the mud and dirt of the streets without. Mrs. Blossom herself looked fresh and comely like a countrywoman, but there was a sad expression on her round face, plain enough to be seen when she was not talking. "'My dear,' she said, when Meg laid down her knife and fork and assured her earnestly that she could eat no more, "'what may you be thinking of doing?' 
i hardly know she answered i expect father home every day if i could only get enough for the children and a crust or two for me we could get along but we can't do nothing more i know you'll be forced to go into the house said mrs blossom oh no 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 cried little meg drawing rob into her and with a great effort lifting him on to her lap where he almost eclipsed her i couldn't ever do that we'll get along somehow till father comes home where is it you live inquired mrs blossom oh it's not a nice place at all said meg who dreaded having any visitor it's along rosemary lane and down a street and then down another smaller street and up a court that's where it is mrs blossom sat meditating a few minutes with the baby on her lap stretching itself lazily and contentedly before the fire while meg behind robin watched her new friend's face anxiously well she said you come here again to-morrow and i'll ask mr george what's to be done that was mr george as was here and he's my lodger he took you in and maybe he'll agree to do something thank you ma'am said meg gratefully please have you any little children of your own the tears ran faster down mrs blossom's cheeks and she was obliged to wipe them away before she could answer i had a girl like you she said ten years ago such a pretty little girl so rosy and bright and merry as all the folks round took notice of she was like the apple of my eye she was what was she called asked meg with an eager interest why the neighbors called her posy because her name was blossom said mrs blossom smiling amidst her tears we lived out in the country and i'd a little shop and a garden and kept fowls and pigs and eggs such as the like are never seen in this part of london posy they called her and a real posy she was mrs blossom paused and looked sadly down upon the happy baby shaking her head as if she were sorely grieved at heart and posy died said meg softly no no cried mrs blossom it had been a hundred times better if she'd died she grew up bad i hope you'll never live to grow up bad little girl and she ran away from home and i lost her her own mother that had nursed her when she was a little baby like this i'd have been thankful to have seen her lying dead afore my eyes in her coffin that's bad said little meg in a tone of trouble and tender pity it's nigh upon three years ago continued mrs blossom looking down still upon the baby as if she were telling her and i gave up my shop to my son's wife and came here thinking maybe she'd step in some day or other to buy a loaf of bread or something because i knew she'd come up to london but she's never so much as passed by the window leastways when i've been watching and i'm always watching i can't do my duty by mr george for staring out of the window watching for posy said little meg ay watching for posy repeated mrs blossom and she never goes by have you asked god to let her go by asked meg ay my dear said mrs blossom i ask him every blessed day o my life then she's sure to come some day said meg joyfully there's no mistake about that because jesus says it in the bible and he knows all about god you've asked him and he'll do it it's like father coming home i don't know whether he'll come to-day or to-morrow or when it'll be but he will come god bless and love you cried mrs blossom suddenly putting baby down in meg's lap and clasping all three of them in her arms i'll believe it i will he sent you to give me more heart god love you all 
it was some while before mrs blossom regained her composure but when she did and it was time for meg and the children to go home before it was quite dark she bound up robin's foot in some rags and gave meg a loaf to carry home with her bidding her to be sure to come again the next day meg looked back to the shop many times before turning the corner of the street and saw mrs blossom's round face with its white cap border still leaning over the door looking after them and nodding pleasantly each time she caught meg's backward glance at the corner they all three turned round meg holding up baby as high as her arms could reach and after this last farewell they lost sight of their new friend End of chapter nine